Hello, this is Laura Zam, and this is Sexual Healing Central. Today, I am here with Jeannie and Mark Daly-Gunter. They are going to be talking to us about something called the love map. And the love map is a way for couples to heal conflicts around sex. Stay tuned. Jeannie, Mark, hello. Welcome here to Sexual Healing Central. Yay. <laughs> Hi, Laura. Hi. I'm Thanks so for happy having to us. have yeah. you here. Happy Friday. Yeah. yeah, happy to be here. I'm so excited to learn about the love map and how that can help our listeners and our viewers. Before we get there, though, I would really like for you both to introduce yourselves. Sure. Should I start? I'll start. <laughs> You're the fast-paced one. You jump right in. <laughs> oh, so I'm Jeannie Daly-Gunter. I'm the co-founder, of course, with Mark of the Transformative Loving Institute. And I'm also author of the best-selling book, The Love Map, which is what our talk is about today. So Mark and I together, we do relationship coaching, and we also offer seminars for couples. So that's what we're up to. Yeah, and uh, I'm Mark Daly Gunter, and I got into this work because of uh, really suffering in relationship and uh, having had a failed marriage and wanting to totally do it differently. And I met Jeannie, and uh, in our pursuit to really create a healing relationship that turned into a marriage, we started practicing the elements of the love map and put it all together to create the love map. And so that's our mission in the world is really to help couples heal their relationships, create more love in the world, one couple at a time. And I'll, I'll add just a little bit to that in terms of my backstory. So I grew up in a family where my parents weren't in love and I knew from a really young age that they were not in love. Um, they didn't hold hands. They didn't, I never saw them kiss. And so there was a lack of intimacy in the family that was palpable. And I knew that from a very early age. So when I started dating, I made a really conscious decision that I did not want to have the kind of relationship my parents had, obviously, without intimacy and without love. And so I began this journey that ended up being like this 30-year journey around exploring, well, what really is love and how do I express my sexuality and relationship? And so when Mark and I got married, we actually dedicated our marriage to being a path of personal and spiritual growth and development. And we wanted to share that with others. So we started studying with a number of leaders in the field. But you know, really initially, it was out of just wanting to have healing and have love be a healing quality in our own marriage. So that's really why we do this. And we love sharing it with others. And we use ourselves as an example. We say, this is what worked for us. And here's how we screwed up. And, you know, we're just pretty transparent about our own journeys. So we, you know, we hope to inspire other couples to be on their own journey together. Yeah. And how inspirational that you both decided that you were going to be on this healing journey together. As a couple, I can't emphasize enough how important that can be for a couple to really frame their relationship in that way so yeah. that it's it's a it's a way out of what can set in, which is we're going to talk about conflicts around sex. But of course, the love map can apply to any kind of, of conflicts, but often poison sets in, I think, maybe when when couples don't necessarily have that intention that they're going to right, they're going to be a healing force for each other. I think that's true, Laura. I think, you know, one of the complaints that couples bring to us sometimes is that one or the other in the couple doesn't want to do any personal growth work. Mm. 
And it's, it's really yeah. difficult because if you aren't willing to look at yourself and your own part of whatever's happening, you get stuck. And that's actually what the, the love map is about. It's about the places where we get stuck and the way out is really self, you know, self growth, personal growth work, honestly. Yeah. Amazing. And so I think you talked about how this is, you know, how you came to this work. What, who are the people who come to you? What kinds of clients do you tend to work with? That's a great question. Mark, do you want to jump in on this one? I don't want to take up all Well, you, I think the, uh, you know, the, the idea that one couple is pointing to the other one and saying they're not doing their work. It's like, the, that's the commonest, that's the most, you know, ubiquitous complaint. One person is totally motivated to heal the relationship, heal themselves. They're on board with our message. And the other one's like, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't see the need. I don't, I don't get it. And so uh, there's a dynamic that's there that is really common. And so, but we work with all different types of couples. We work with same-sex couples. We work with, you know, uh, partners who aren't even married yet, who are still figuring out if they want to commit. And, uh, and then we also work with couples who have had a long history together and they're just fed up. They're just done. Mm -hmm. And where they got one last thing. Okay, we'll try this. We'll try to save it. So we have everything from the, the shiny bright eyes who want to start building it the correct way. They want to do it right to the, to the old tired guard who are like, all right, we'll give it one more shot before we call it quits. So we work Mm -hmm. with all different types of couples. I think the the longest, the couple who came to one of our workshops, they'd been together for 50 years and they were in their 70s. And they they'd had, and you know, there's a there's a good side to that and there's a challenge to that, right? It's like they they've stayed together and they've made their marriage work for 50 years, and there's things that hadn't been working for decades. So it's just it's so interesting. And no couple, here's the fascinating thing about the work: no couple is the same, right? But every couple has their challenges. And so one of the things we really believe in is lifting the shame off of the fact that every couple has challenges and we all need support, right? It's like that old adage, it takes it takes a village to raise a, in this case, to raise a couple. It's like, <laughs> we don't need to hide the fact that we're, we struggle sometimes in relationship because everybody does, whether or not they'll admit it, everybody does. And it's totally normal. Yeah. Right. And because, you know, there's, Usually it's a foundation of trust issue. And so it hits the bedroom like immediately. And most of the couples that are coming to work with us, their their sex lives are dormant, you know. And so that's an aspect of uh, of the work that we do as well is, is helping people. And sometimes there's affairs going on and there's a whole um, real dark energy around their sexuality that uh, is stopping them from growing in that area. And so we work with couples who come in that way too. What does, I ask all my guests this question, what does sexual healing mean to you? That's a great question. Um, I'll jump in on this one and then Mark, you can, you can think about it for a second. Um, you know, <laughs> oh, I know what it means to me. I jump right in. No, you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we believe that, that, partners come together to heal on, on all levels, that that's actually one of the purposes of coming together. And in particular, sexual healing, I mean, you know, sexuality really is at a core of who we are. You know, we believe that. And so for me, what sexual healing means is that 
my partner is really able to hold all of who I am in terms of my sexuality and that, that, that changes, but there's a, there's a foundational level of acceptance that I can feel like I'm going to be accepted in my sexual expression, in my sexual needs, in my sexual desires that ebb and flow and wax and wane, and that we're going to be able to navigate that together. But the core for me around sexual healing is, is acceptance and that my partner is willing to show up for me sometimes in those difficult moments that occur around sexuality, like Early on, even before we were married, Mark and I were actually taking some um, Tantra workshops together. And for us, that was all about sexual healing. And, you know, can we hold the space for each other to do some of that energetic work around sexuality that can be really healing? So I hope that answered your question, Laura. That's what I would say. Great. Yeah, great, great answer. How about you, Mark? Oh, I got to follow that. Wow. Oh, that was a beautiful answer, Jeannie. It really does. I mean, I believe I, I agree with you on in the the way that sexual healing can occur. There's one other part that was really present to me, though, which is the unlearning. Like sexual healing to me is really unlearning a lot of the messages that came shaming from my family, from the men in my life, from society, the, you know, the exogenous messaging and energy that has formulated my idea of my sexuality and how off that is. The healing part for me is to bring that back and to go, no, my, my sexuality is what I say it is and what I need it to be. And it's changing. And so it can be several things. It can be complex. I can hold that. And that to me is like the healing energy. Yeah. And I just want to add one thing. Um, you know, Mark and I, so we do shadow work as well. It's one of the things we do with individuals and couples. And one of the dynamics we talk about in shadow work is this predator-prey relationship. And it comes into sexuality. And part of it is what our culture tells us about sexuality in terms of who's the chaser, who's the chasee, and how do we do that in a healthy way? So if you think about the terms predator and prey, they're pretty charged, but how can I, as a woman, oftentimes I'm taking the role of, of prey, the one who surrenders, not always, but often, how do I do that in a healthy way? And that's healing to me. Like, can I surrender and open to the energy of sexuality in a healthy way? And same thing with Mark around often he takes the role of the pursuer or the predator. And how can he be the healthy predator? The one who comes after me in a way where I feel, you know, swept off my feet or, or just held in a loving embrace. So there's a healthy way of working that. And then a lot of times our, our culture holds those energies in not a healthy way. Oh, and so I think part of sexual healing is actually coming into the healthy predator-prey relationship that's yeah. exciting, right? That brings us passion and excitement as opposed to some of the unhealthy ways that our culture sometimes holds. Yeah. Amen. Wow. There's so much in there. So much in there. I don't want to put it in my own words because you you both are so articulate around this, but uh, just such amazing, amazing ideas. Fantastic. Let's move on to the love map. I'm so excited to learn about it. And cool. then I know that you both have three tips that are inspired by it. We do. Okay. This was inspired by, you know, 20 years ago, I started learning about vision fast work and going out on the land and doing ceremony 
And this map was actually inspired by the natural rhythms of nature. And so you'll see in here, there's the four directions, there's um, you know, birth and, and rebirth. And so this actually goes around just a cyclical east, south, west, north kind of model. And Mark, I'm going to let you jump in and, and talk about the love map in particular around how it applies to sexual healing. All right. And it is circular because we believe that, you know, the only constant is change. And so it's always changing. But in, in, in this model, we are born in the east. And that is where it says birth and reborn. And what we believe is that we're born into our sexuality just as pure. It's wherever you are, we believe that sexuality is a continuum. And so wherever you are at, you are perfect. You are born into a perfect place where you need to be. And so uh, we move from that place. It only lasts about five minutes probably until like the family comes in and the, and the, the bonding messages of our family, family of origin and our need to attach to that family, to the survival instincts of even infants to attach, we start to make choices about how to show up in order to get our needs met. And for our sexuality, that means we might make gender choices about ourselves. That means we might, you know, have rebellious thoughts about, I don't want to do this, or I don't want to be that, or we just start to encode all of our sexual understanding of ourselves right after we're born in our family of, of origin. Yeah, and I, I would add a little bit into that in terms of the shadow work. We believe that shadow is basically things that we put into our, Robert Bly talks about it like a shadow bag. It's the things we don't want to be seen with. And so from an early age, we're given messages about what's okay and what's not okay in terms of our sexuality, right? And so like I have a, I'll give you an example. I have a really clear memory of when I was, you know, probably 16 and I didn't wear a bra to school one day and I came home and my mom was angry and she said, honey, I can see your nipples. Now that sounds like a, like a small message, but I'm 52 and I remember that message. And the message was, it's not okay to flaunt your sexuality. And so those are the types of messages that we can get at a really early age you know, just think about kids. Kids love to run around naked without their clothes. Well, a lot of times we get messages that that's not okay. And so those messages go in and they can impact our sexuality and our sexual relationship with ourselves and also with others. So then so, we bring, we bring yeah, all that into falling in love. Mark, go ahead. <laughs> Talk about falling in love. Well, I was going to say, yeah, the following love, falling in love phase is a, um, you know, we call it the love dose there's a cocktail of uh, chemicals that flow naturally in our body, which are bonding chemicals and euphoric chemicals, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. And it is a beautiful experience. It is a, a beautiful experience to have a falling in love. And at that point, what, what happens to us, you know, internally with our limbic system is that we, we feel like, okay, we can bond with this person. Like we really do want to bond with this person. A lot of the things we make up in this, you know, this phase is that we project on them all the gold. Oh, you're not like my mom. Oh, you're not like my dad. You're so different. And that for that reason, you're going to love me 
in ways that my parents didn't. And that whole origin story, it's over. Now I've got you and we're going to start this whole thing and we're going to share love. And that's the falling in love stage that we see and we experience naturally in, in this area in the South. And it's also when we have the most sex, right? The first, you know, year of the relationship, because all those endorphins are going on, we have the most sex. And so what can happen then is as we're moving around the wheel, you'll see the next place on the wheel is called betrayal. That can look a lot of different ways, but part of it can be, wait a minute, I thought we had this great sex life. I thought we had sex every day. I thought that's what was going on. What happened? And so whatever the ideal is around the relationship or even around the sexuality can feel like a betrayal. Like, why don't we have sex as often mm. anymore? Why isn't right. as great? Or anything, anything can feel like a betrayal around that. I guess the other thing on the betrayal is that we start to realize that uh, our partner does resemble our family of origin. We get mm. the, oh, that's just like my mom. Oh my God. And now I'm with my mom and the betrayal, you know, there's that type of betrayal too, which is a family wounding, a uh, reemergence of a family when they might flip that in. But all of that conspires to bring us right into conflict. Again, naturally, this is the, this is the map. This is the conflict. Mm. It's a difference of opinion. It's a difference of opinion with a strong emotion. So we feel it and it's always hard to navigate conflict because, um, you know, we have a, a we're put in a place of choice mm-hmm. where we can go in a healthy way into the conflict or a not so healthy way into the conflict. And for us, the love map is about going into a healthy way into conflict, which in this model is the gateway of forgiveness and doing your own personal work. So we look inward to find out how I'm showing up in order to really get the shift to happen around conflict. But if we want to go into the pain map, Jeannie, you want to talk about that? Yeah, just um, so there's another map that is the mirror of this, but the pain map, instead of saying the gateway of forgiveness and personal work, it's the gateway of blame and unwillingness to do one's own work. And that's where a lot of couples get stuck. So whether the topic is sexuality or really anything, I mean, money and sex are, you know, the classic things that couples argue about, but it could be anything. If we're not willing to do our own personal growth around it and we're just pointing the finger at our partner, that really is where a lot of people get stuck. So when we come around to the North, then we want to make sure we're using our tools. We're going into a more mature love that you'll notice is right across from falling in love. So it's different. It's, it's not just the puppy love. It's like how we've gone through conflict now. We're deeper in our love. And that brings us into the Northeast in that place of healing and greater connection. And that's really where our, our tips are coming in today. So we have three tips we want to share with you. And they're all in that North, Northeast segment around tools and getting to a place of healing and greater connection. Yeah, this is so astounding because... I just love the graphic to be able to, you know, for people to be able to see different stages and to normalize what is the evolution of a relationship emotionally, psychologically, but sexually. A lot of my clients have a very, uh, they have a, a child's view of love and it's not their fault. It's really society has given that to them. So they believe that 
when they are in that falling in love stage and they're experiencing whatever they're experiencing, all that new relationship energy and and that effortless kind of um, sensuality, that when that wanes or breaks down or turns into conflict, they believe that, oh, the relationship is doomed or they might feel really angry and they might feel like, I don't understand why it's not like in the movies. And I, I just hear that all the time. Right. It, something's wrong with me or something's wrong with my partner because it's not like in the movies. And so I think we don't have a mature understanding of, of, the, fa- of the way that sexuality naturally evolves. Exactly. For a couple and that it, it, it needs to turn into a mature love. And I love that it's at the north, right? That's really symbolic. And that this is, it's different. It feels different than, say, the puppy love. Yeah. Um, and it, it doesn't have, it has a different kind of intensity. It yes. has a different kind of passion. And I think people get very stuck there because, and a lot of affairs happen because people don't know how to how to make their way to the north. And so instead, they they say, no, 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 I need to, you know, I need somebody else that I can fall in love with. Exactly, Laura. That's exactly right. And so rather than navigating their way to the north, they get stuck in the conflict and they actually swing backwards. They try to swing back into the south and find the falling in love again when that's not actually the most healing path forward. And I, yeah. you're right on there. You're, I'm glad you saw that because that, that's exactly spot on. Yeah, I get divorced. Okay, I'm going to get my red convertible. Okay, I'm going to get my hot young date. And like, yeah, that whole cycle doesn't get to complete itself if we go backwards exactly. into the South, right? Yeah, yeah. and I think ju- uh, just to sneak it in, I just also want to normalize people who choose polyamory, for instance, as a lifestyle and a love style that that is a way of bringing that that falling in love, that new relationship energy into that cycle, and that that's its own thing. It um, is, yeah. But uh, and that that sure. becomes a kind of healing, you know. That's a, a way up to north with with a primary partner. Um, don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but just to say that right that there's there's yep. different relationship styles that can can um, benefit from this love map. Yeah, I would agree, and I would also say that. With polyamory, because the relationships are so complex, you have to be in that mature space to navigate that. We have friends who are polyamorous and we have these conversations and I go, wow, that is so much to hold to do it right, you know, to be really fulfilling your mission. And so I give all the props to that, but it is a similar energy that has to occur for those relationships to be successful. All right, let's move on to these tips. I'm dying to dying to hear them. Great. So, of course, there's there's so many different things, but we picked out just three, and these are three foundational things that we we teach all of our couples. And so, we're hoping they're going to help your your couples too. So, um, the first one really is talking about it's around communication. It's deep. It's deeper needs. It's deepening into the needs. And so instead of, for example, around sexuality, like one partner might express to the other one, my need is I need to have sex three times a week. And we would call that almost like a superficial need. And so, Mark, I'm going to ask you to how do we change that into a, a deeper, a deeper need? Well, you know, what we what we do is we uh, we get very present 
to oh, what's going on inside of us. And, you know, if we're not really emotionally intelligent, you know, it's going to be difficult to really understand the underlying need, but we can use our emotion to go right down into the underlying need. And when we think about the underlying need, sometimes when we're working with our clients, we actually have to give them a list of needs to choose from because they're so unaware of what is actually going on inside of them. But when you can actually understand what the need is, you would say, gosh, you know, I guess my real need it's, I just want to have an orgasm. You know, I just want to have an orgasm. And then it'd be like, okay, so what's underneath that? Or maybe that is, that's complete. Is there anything else? Is there anything more? And it's like, yeah, I also want to have, you know, some quiet time with you because we're in this chatter and I just want to have some quiet time when we're in this. Okay, great. So what else? And it's an expansive conversation around needs, but you know, the, the emotional component has to be right there because it can be like, well, I feel sad because we're not getting these needs met, or I feel mad because I'm not getting these needs met. So a needs conversation will have some emotional content in it that has to also be navigated. And from, you know, from my perspective, it might need, it might be, well, my need is actually around emotional intimacy or, you know, my need is to have some erotic time without having intercourse. And so when you start to have these conversations, then the next step is, okay, well now given our, given our needs and maybe they're quite different, what's the way that we both can get our needs met? And that's, that's really the underlying needs conversation. And it can be difficult to have because, you know, we have, we have all kinds of messages around, it should just be working. Why do we need to talk about this? Or I think a lot of couples don't communicate around their sexuality very well because it's charged, right? And it can, it, it can deteriorate into conflict really quickly. But if we can just take a little step back and go, well, what's your underlying need? Like, I hear you saying you want to have sex three times a week, but what's really there for you? That's and so the answer might be, well, I just don't feel connected to you. I just want to feel connected. Great. How do we get that need for connection met? So that's, that's tip one is to have conversations around underlying needs, not just the superficial need, but what's really, let's, let's get a little vulnerable and what's really underneath that. Awesome. Our, what's, what's tip two? Tip two is going to be, we call it park your stuff, park your stuff. What that means, and it really comes from Imago relationship uh, work in that what we want to do is we want to be a safe harbor for our partner. And when to, in order to do that, we cannot have our agendas just waiting to jump in and attack the other partner. What we actually have to do is we have to take our, we have a mental image of like standing in front of your garage and all of your stuff is in your garage and it's all the judgments and it's all the pain and it's the sadness and it's the, I'm not being heard. And how come I don't get to get my needs met? All that stuff we put into the garage and we shut the door with the garage door comes down and we create this mental image of standing in front of our stuff, ready and able to support the other person to say what their need actually is. And it's really around presence. What we find is that couples oftentimes just want the other person to be present and really hear them. And we can only do that if we have a way to put our own stuff behind us for the moment so we can really show up and be present for a partner. Right. Oh, and wow. so I'll, I'll coach men. I'll say, I know you want to fix them. I know you want to be, all you need to do is say, I get it. That makes sense. And then zip, don't say anything else. Let the silence. And then let it come again. I get it. That makes sense. Is there more? And let it come. So that's that's parking your stuff. I love that metaphor. Awesome. What's tip number three? 
So tip number three is um, specific to sexuality. And this is something that we've borrowed from Margot and Nand, and it's called the yin-yang game. So we love this. We've been doing this since really early on. And what it is, is that, you know, when it's, when it's time to be sexual, you can, let's say you're going to take half an hour. You each get 15 minutes. And in that 15 minutes, you switch roles from yin to yang. So yin is the receiver. Yang is the giver. And if I'm, let's say I'm starting with the yin, I get to ask for whatever I want. And Mark is the yang. Now, if it's something that Mark really doesn't want to do in the moment, then that's something that you have to negotiate. But oftentimes for me, it's like, even though we're in the realm of eroticism, I'm like, can you rub my feet? (laughs) You know, that might be my request. Or you know, it might be, can you suck on my fingers? Whatever it is, it doesn't necessarily have to be orgasm or intercourse, but it's something in the realm of what's going to bring you pleasure right now. And then you switch. And so then the next 15 minutes, for example, now Mark is going to be yin. Mark's going to be the receiver and I'm going to be the giver or I'm going to be the yang. And so what that does is it brings in this equality of giving and receiving into the relationship, into the sexual uh, realm of the relationship, because sometimes it's hard for me, I'll just say for me, but I think for us too, to ask for our needs in the bedroom. And so this is like a game, it's a fun game, but it's a structure that you can put around sexual time so that there's a natural kind of ebb and flow of giving and receiving. So Mm -hmm. that's the yin yang game. And I wanna piggyback on that because, so today's Friday, and we have a yin yang day set up for Sunday. We each get four hours. So it's going to be the marathon. And I'm so excited. I mean, it's Friday. And I'm already thinking about Sunday because I'm going to plan this whole thing. And I also want to be completely spontaneous. And Jeannie's just going to have to tag along. And I don't even know what I'm going to do part of it. And so it's just, I can just feel the joy of uh, expecting and really wanting to connect with you and, you know, and let the sexuality flow. I mean, let's. Let's let's really let's deeply connect. Is this so? You each get four hours. Yeah. Yeah. On Sunday, that's what on we're Sunday. That's what we and have then, set up. so, we're but doing. is it is it anything like okay? Well, I want to watch in my four hours. I want to watch this movie, and I want to and I want us to take a bath, and also I want you to make me a sandwich. Is is it like any kind of a thing you can ask for? When we do a longer thing like that, it is anything. When when it's a short thing, when it's like an hour where we each get half an hour, then we're usually it's around pleasure. It's around pleasure. pleasure that's your sexu- it's the right? containers making love then. Yes, but okay. but like on Sunday, it is anything. So I get my four hours. I might be like, let's go for a bike ride. And then he gets his four hours. And so it can come into the realm of sexuality. But what it's doing is it's actually a way to share leadership, to share power in the relationship. Because one person gets to lead, the other one follows. And usually in a relationship, there's one person who leads more than the other. So it creates this balance. And it's actually kind of exciting and so it'll naturally flow into sexuality at some point because it's spontaneous <laughs> and exciting. You know what yeah. I mean? Totally. I'm going to steal that so much. I love that. Thank you so much for all of this wisdom and the love map and the tips. In the show notes, we're going to have the link to Mark and Jeannie's website so you can download 
uh, you've got a, a quiz there, right? For people to take. We do. Yeah. We have a personality style quiz that actually will give you your type as a couple and give you three specific tips to work on for communication. Yeah. Fantastic. And we'll have the links to the love map, the book and, uh, and, and some other social media links and all kinds of ways to connect with, uh, with Mark and Jeannie and their, um, the Transformative Loving Institute. So this has really been such a treat. And thank you so much. I hope to see you all soon and continue the conversation. Thanks, Laura. That was fun. We appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, and we appreciate what you do in the world too, Laura. Thank you. And just, you know, keep up the good work. Thank you. 